the Team Performance Podcast with Spencer Horn and Christian Napier. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Team Performance Winning Ways for Uncertain Times podcast. I'm Christian Napier, joined as always by the incomparable co-host, Spencer Horn, in the salmon shirt, it looks like. Spencer, how you doing? <laughs> Your favorite, isn't it? I'm well. How are you, Christian? I'm doing pretty darn good. The weather is fairly warm here in Salt Lake City. I'm looking forward to going for a nice afternoon walk with my wife once we're done what? with this podcast here. What time do you usually go? You usually go in the afternoon, but is there a set time or just when the opportunity arises? Uh, it's usually when the opportunity arises because of calls, you know, business calls and things like that. So sometimes it'll be earlier, sometimes a little, little bit later, but definitely before the sun goes down. Well, I, I knew I was calling you right when the sun was coming up this morning about 7.30 and you were on a call somewhere around the world. Couldn't take that call. Well, unfortunately, my IOC laptop uh, is out of date. And so the IOC technology department was saying, Hey, uh, we need to get your laptop updated, your IOC laptop updated with the most recent software. So I was in the middle of a remote session with our friends at the IOC. Um, so I apologize. Well, I, I shouldn't have called you at seven 30 in the morning anyway, but I just had this idea while I was out on my run this morning. So, well, I appreciate the ideas that you shared and I am so excited Spencer to introduce you to our guest today. Um, Sometimes we just do this podcast amongst ourselves. Sometimes we have right. one guest, but it's a rare treat when we actually have two guests on the podcast. Mm -hmm. So I'm super excited to introduce them. So our guests today are Maureen Sweeney and Todd Dennett from Tiller Language Services. I've known them for a long time. Uh, mm -hmm. Maureen, since the 2002 uh, Olympic winter, Paralympic winter games. Uh, Todd worked there as well. I hope to get Todd on my Salt Lake 2002 podcast. Shameless plug right there um, to talk about flags. So anyway, um, they've got very long, distinguished careers. I'm not aging you at all by making that comment, um, <laughs> but uh, fascinating people. I'm looking forward to them kind of telling their story a little bit. Uh, but before I do, I just want to say uh, thank you for joining the podcast. It's, it's been nice working with Tiller. Uh, full disclosure, Tiller has provided language services uh, to the IOC uh, in a project that I've been working on, the Structured Interviews Project, and uh, uh, really enjoyed the working experience with them providing simultaneous interpretation, really top-notch interpreters uh, for the, the projects that I've been working on. And it's been a very wonderful collaborative uh, work uh, that, and I've really, really enjoyed working with them. So Maureen, Todd, thank you so much for coming on. Happy thank to be you for here. having us. <laughs> Well, it's a real pleasure. Um, maybe you can just tell us a little bit um, about where you're joining us from and uh, give us a little background on yourselves as well as uh, Tiller Language Services. Uh, Todd, shall I start or do you want to start? <laughs> sure, why don't you go ahead? <laughs> okay, great. Um, so uh, thanks to both of you for having us on the podcast. We appreciate you being interested in what we do. Um, I am in Salt Lake City here with Christian, um, and yeah, so I guess uh, there are so many things I could say about Tiller Language Services, but maybe we just start out with who we are. So Todd and I have been working together since, um, when did you come, when did I hire you? I hired Todd at the games in, in 2001. Salt Lake. 
2001. Wow. Almost so, 20 years ago, I started. Oh my gosh. So yeah, I, I hired Todd. Um, it's kind of funny uh, to age us even more. Uh, Todd was, I think, the first person that I interviewed remotely back in 2001. Um, and at that time, you had to go to like the special conference room and set up a link and his head was on a giant screen. And um, it's just funny now thinking about all of the stuff that we do, you know, using technology remotely, you know, just every single day. And what a big deal it was to be able to interview him from Washington, DC to Salt Lake and be able to see his face. Anyway, kind of funny. Um, so Todd, uh, Todd and I started working together way back then, and um, uh, and now we are business partners at Tiller Language Services. So maybe I'll hand it to Todd, and he can tell you how we got from Salt Lake to today. Does that sound like a good segue? <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah, so I um, met Maureen in 2001. It is funny to think about now that we're doing this over Zoom, like how hard it was to do that video interview then. Um, I'd been working in politics. I worked um, for Vice President Gore in the White House. Um, and when that opportunity ended, I um, was looking to move to the Olympics and remember having to go to a, a big office building downtown that I'd never been to and was ushered into a weird room with a gigantic setup um, yeah. to be able to talk to Maureen and the rest of the crew uh, in Salt Lake City. So thrilled that she hired me and I moved out to Salt Lake City. Um, I'm now in Seattle, Washington. Uh, which is where the business is based. But um, after the Olympics, Maureen and I both went sort of our separate ways and worked on a variety of different projects. Um, but I started an event planning firm in 2008 um, called Tiller, uh, where we do international conferences and events um, all around the world, mostly, mostly for mission-driven organizations. Uh, we work for the Gates Foundation, we work for Paul Allen's Philanthropy, um, other large groups. Um, like that. And we were doing a lot of events that required um, interpretation. Um, and we built up kind of a network of people that could help us at some of the international events. Maureen has a strong background um, in language services from working at the Olympics. Um, and so it, it was a natural fit for our event planning company. And then um, some of those same clients started coming to us and asking just for translation or interpretation for projects that we weren't um, planning as, a, as events, and we sort of saw the opportunity to spin it out into a separate business. So Maureen and I uh, partnered together and created Tiller Language Services, let's see, it was in 2014, so almost seven years ago now. Yeah, it's, it was interesting because in, in 2013, it sort of started hitting a critical mass where we had so many requests that were only for language related projects that, you know, Todd and I were talking and we were like, well, maybe this is a business too. You know, it, it is a little bit weird for people to come to an event business to get like translation of their policies and procedures or their website. Um, so it was sort of interesting at that point. Um, we had the requests. We didn't do, know too much about having a language services agency. So we actually did, um, I'm kind of proud of us now because we actually took the time. We took a good eight months and we hired 
um, uh, someone we knew well to, to really do a full business plan and a lot of research about what that would mean. Like, what is the industry doing? What, how could we differentiate ourselves? Um, and what was fascinating is, is through that research project, we learned that language services agencies that were competing on price were proliferating like crazy. The industry was booming, but it was all about undercutting everyone else. And what we realized is that what people were coming, us, coming to us for was the exact opposite. All of our initial clients were people who had had problems with their prior language services and were willing to pay more to make sure that the quality was there. So, you know, I can, I can tell you that one of our very first projects, the client came to us and said, we have this website and, you know, we're getting a lot of complaints, particularly about the Chinese. And we were wondering if you could have your people look at it. It was a client that we work with for events. Um, if you could have your team look at it and tell us, is this really bad or what's going on? Um, so we, we contacted our, our folks that, you know, our top leads for Chinese and we had them do a review and they came back to us and they, and they literally said like, this actually isn't Chinese. Like <laughs> this is something, but it, it looks doesn't, like Chinese characters. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. And this, this client who I think I probably shouldn't mention who they are, but they're a very big name and they were. And they're very international and they were horrified. So that, um, I think all, everything coalesced at that moment and we realized there's a place for us in this industry um, that's being really uh, sort of ignored. And there are people who really want to make sure that um, what they're doing is of a high quality and works and, and are not so concerned about, is it, two cents cheaper than, right. you know. It's always about value, Maureen, yeah. when you make it a, because there's no value to having a website that no one can understand. If, yeah. if it translates, <laughs> absolutely none whatsoever. But yeah. when you were talking about, you said something that, you know, every once in a while I, I wax musical and, and all of a sudden the West Side Story, there's a place for us, <laughs> came into, you know, came into my mind when you said that, you know, yeah. somewhere yeah. there's a place for us. <laughs> but um, so really fascinating. It sounds like you're, it, it seems like those type of services, translation services would not be interrupted this last year. I mean, people needing their website and, and their materials, but I'm, I'm really interested in that event side. So give give our, you know, give us an example of, of some of the types of events that you would do for a mission-driven organization like the Gates Foundation, um, where, where you would need, like, because I, I speak internationally. So I was in the Dominican Republic not too long ago, and I'm speaking, and, you know, half the audience doesn't speak English. And so they have a booth at the back of the room with somebody translating for half of the audience. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, that's what we do. Todd, you want to take this one? I've, I've yammered on for a bit already. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've done exactly that. We've taken that similar technology that, that you're used to in a hotel ballroom with um, interpreters in the back of the room in the booths and been able to replicate that now in the virtual world. Um, as you can imagine, you know, all of our in-person live events were canceled 
um, beginning in March of, of last year and are continuing to be canceled for the foreseeable future. But we've been able to switch to Zoom or other um, platforms to make that work. Um, uh, so we use Zoom a lot, just like we're using today. And it has an interpretation module that our interpreters can join and provide uh, an, another channel that the participants can listen to that way. Or we've also worked uh, with another company to provide a standalone interpretation system that basically turns your smartphone into a headset exactly like you'd experience in a, in a hotel ballroom listening to that headset that's connected to the interpreters in the back of the room and i just turned my sound down connected. yeah you can still listen to the sound on zoom if you want to hear the the source language but then you put a headset on from your um, your smartphone and listen to the interpretation Wow, that's really fascinating. And so, it has taken a bit of extra work, you know, to get our, uh, get the interpreters to, to figure out how to use this new system, train the participants how to use the new system, but it's actually great. And we've seen over the last year, more and more organizations uh, offering interpretation for meetings that maybe they wouldn't have had, wouldn't have done so in the past, just because of the travel or whatever would have and cost prohibitive, but if you're bringing people together from all around the world, now you can offer the language virtually. So Todd and Maureen, I've got a question about that. Um, you know, the topic of this podcast is team performance and, and you're working with a, uh, a bunch of contractors. These interpreters are independent uh, freelancers or contractors that work with agencies, whatever. Very used to working in certain ways, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, and for them to do their job effectively, they have to have their setup just so because it takes a lot of mental brain power to do the interpretation. You don't want to have a lot of extra bandwidth trying to figure out, well, do I hit this button here or that there? Yeah. So, um, did you get pushback from your interpreters? Mm -hmm when you started going into this virtual space, I mean, I guess necessity is the mother of invention. People are like, well, yeah. I guess if I want to eat, I guess I need to figure <laughs> out how to do it this new way so I can put food on my table. Um, but how did your organization kind of manage the transition and the mindset of these interpreters from, a, from an in-person, uh, sometimes there's travel involved, it's nice, you know, there are a lot of perks yeah. that way. And then you have to transition to this new way. I mean, I, I would imagine that'd be a bit complicated. So can you kind of walk us through what that process was like, not necessarily from a technology perspective, but from a, from a personality or management perspective <laughs> to get people to go from the old way of doing things to this new way? You can tell that Christians worked with interpreters before. I love, I love, I love it. <laughs> uh, they can sometimes be a little persnickety, let's say, about their uh, their setup. Um, it's an excellent question, and um, you said necessity is the mother of invention. There's been a lot of necessity this year, and Todd and I actually talked about this specific issue yesterday when we were sort of prepping for, for this conversation. And um, we believe that sort of uh, the fact that the pandemic hit, um, interpreters, people who primarily specialize in interpretation over translation. So when we speak, when we say interpretation, we're talking about the spoken word and we talk about translation, it's the written word. So they're two different specialties. Um, so there are a lot of interpreters who suddenly had no work, like 
all their conferences were canceled and they were freaking out. And because of that, the fact that um, we were offering them opportunities to interpret remotely became a lot more palatable than it had been six, eight, 10 months before. Um, and also because we, we are, um, you know, sort of our ethic is that we, uh, we take care of our team, we provide training, we make sure people are hyper-prepared for their events. We, um, with all of our contracts, we set up paid training for the interpreters, which a lot of companies don't do. They just expect you to figure out how to work um, with the systems and they don't you know, reimburse you for that. But because we want to really be able to hold you to the fact that you know how to use the technology, we pay you to learn how <laughs> to do it. Um, uh, but in the end, I feel like um, a lot of people that we work with were just much more open and willing to consider doing new things, kind of like all of us. I mean, this isn't just interpreters. Um, you know, you if, if you want to succeed in this new environment, you've got to open yourself up to new approaches, try new things, be willing to be flexible. So I think we got a lot of um, people on board that had we said, a year earlier, hey, we want to do this remote event, they would have said, yeah, you know what, like, count me out, I don't want to do it. Um, and interestingly, related to that, we've been able to find a lot of folks who, um, there are a lot of people in the industry who are, uh, who both interpret and translate, but once they get to a certain level, they give up the translation, because people in general, prefer interpreting. You go in, you work your eight hours, you're done. Whereas with translation, it's like writing a term paper every day and everyone has an opinion about how you translate it. And, you know, translation is an art, not a science. So, um, but in this environment, again, there were a lot of people who are great translators, but don't usually <clears throat> do that work, who have come back to doing more translation. So I feel like um, for us, we were able to kind of take advantage of the fact that there are people out there right now with incredible skills and backgrounds who are willing to maybe do more and do different things than they were willing to do a year ago because they're trying to fill their calendars that suddenly went poof when, you know, all the live events were canceled. So that's my... <laughs> riff on that <laughs> so, talk about some of these virtual events what are they are, are they with these mission-driven organizations or are they all all kinds it can really be anything um yeah. you know we've done a lot of work um with the gates foundation for different conferences that they've been doing uh, we worked closely with the biden campaign last fall and did um gosh Huge. over 120 150 events with them over the course of several months um, that, you know, there's a case where they never would have been able to provide interpretation because if you were doing a big crowd event and a speech, you know, outdoors in a rally, as you typically do for a regular campaign event, you could never hand out headsets to everyone in the crowd that needed it. But now in a virtual event, you know, someone can push a button and hear Spanish or French or Arabic or whatever language um, we want to do. Um, yeah, and we did, I think we've done uh, 
some climate groups that we've done um, uh, remote events for. I mean, it's really run the gamut of different types of organizations. As Todd said, a lot of them are, are sort of these big international NGOs with, with missions, but then um, honestly for about three, four months there, the campaign uh, took up a huge, you know, we, we did a lot of work for them as well. So, um, so I mean, it, like, it sounds like this is like the United Nations where people always have those ear things on. You guys are behind <laughs> the scenes doing all those things at, at the Hague or, or United Nations, but maybe they have all their own internal structures for that. Yeah, a lot of those. So like the State Department, the UN, um, the, some of those biggies, they, they um, have their own teams right. uh, and they'll even have like their own um, installed equipment if they have a, a location that they always hold their meetings in. That being said, there are, there are other international agencies that will hire freelancers. So it's, um, it, it depends, but like the UN system, the State Department, some of the those folks, they have internal resources. But if you're talking about a smaller um, uh, international uh, agency, they might be hiring that out um, each time. So, so where does it, one go to find the list of smaller agencies on climate or whatever? I mean, how do you, how do you find those events? I would say mostly they find us. That's what I was going to say. We don't really, <laughs> we, we're, we're the backwards uh, model to that. Um, Todd, yeah, do you want to talk about that? Most of our business, you know, comes through referrals, having worked with people before people, you know, search for language services providers. Um, the one thing just quickly going back to the last question that I think has changed a lot over the last year is the type of assignments, like meetings, um, might be much shorter now than they were in the past. Like I would say before 2020, it would the typical assignment would be at least a day or a couple of days for a conference. But yeah. now we do a lot of meetings that are only an hour long or two hours long that in the past uh, clients would have never wanted to pay to fly somebody to that location to do a one hour meeting. Yeah. But virtually now it, it again has become much more cost effective. I have a question about that. I don't want to, I'm not going to ask for real fees, but you could say, you know, uh, marshmallows or, you know, how many coconuts you're, you're charging for your services. Have, have you seen that change? Uh, are you able to then say, Hey, we're going to pass on savings, but our fees are in fact more because we have, we've had to invest in more equipment, more training. I mean, what, how have you managed that? Because a lot of speakers and event organizations, they, you know, they've really struggled with this question. I mean, I think it's something we've struggled with as well, but I would say for the most part, the fees to the clients have remained mostly the same. The, the area for savings for them is that you're not paying to, for people to travel or you're not paying for an extra day of someone's time to get somewhere to do the meeting. Mm -hmm. um, you're more likely just paying for the, the meeting time itself. Um, yeah. And the equipment is cheaper um, if you're using Zoom or, or a mobile app than it is to install those booths in the back of the room and have several technicians there to run it and build it in with your AV system. 
Um, so that's where really the savings come in, not so much from the interpretation itself. Excellent. And I think the other, the other thing that's changed in the industry that has resulted in a cost savings for clients is in the past, almost many interpreters would only um, work a day at a time. So they had just a day rate. And so it didn't matter how long you had them, they still charged you for a day. There were a few people who would do a half day rate, but that half day rate was generally not half. It was like two thirds. Um, now that one of the things that sort of cross changed across the board is that many more interpreters, um, I, I would say almost all interpreters have a true half day rate now, and many of them will have a two hour rate. So whereas in the past, you know, for that one day meeting, even if they only interpreted for an hour, we would have to charge you for a day because the interpreter charged us for a day. Now, because people truly are working a one hour meeting, they're doing it from home and they can schedule other work. Um, we're able to kind of pass that cost savings on um, to clients. And that's, that's a big change actually, because um, I think a lot of interpreters really pushed against that understandably to a certain extent, because it's very difficult as an interpreter to fit multiple event, multiple live events into one day. Yeah. Um, and if you signed up for something, you're sort of, it's diff too difficult to get to the next location. Whereas online, um, we know a lot of interpreters that we work with who have been able you know, they can say, all right, I have my two hour rate and they can have three different events online at the two hour rate and earn their day rate. So it, that's an industry-wide change that was very hotly discussed over like the summer and early fall. There were a lot of people who didn't wanna, didn't wanna do that. Um, but, you know, as an agency, we're like, listen, you know, at this point, there's enough people doing it that you probably need to consider doing it as well. So it's, um, I find that part kind of interesting and it's, and it's, a, it's a change across the board. So Todd and Maureen, I wanna come back to something you said earlier, when you initially set up Tiller Language Services, you went through a very thorough process. You, went, you took eight months to define this plan and, and I'm implying or assuming <laughs> That part of that, as you, as you talked about a little bit, was you 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 looked at your competition and you said, okay, well, everybody's there's a there's a commoditization of this industry happening yeah. now, and strategically, we're going to go in a different direction, and and the other threat, of course, that's always been looming in the background is AI, right? Like uh, yeah. uh, the AWS, way. even from Amazon, you know. Yeah. You <laughs> So, but those are things that you could kind of plan for, right? You, you like, okay, we can develop our strategic plan and we can, we can mold our business to minimize those threats, to maximize our opportunities. The pandemic's a completely different animal and nobody <laughs> saw this coming and it's thrown everybody for a loop. And so I'm curious, what was it that allowed Tiller to, to really excel in this crazy environment while other companies may have been may, may have struggled harder to make adjustments so I'm, I'm curious as you look at how you've done so far understanding that we're still in the throes of it hopefully there's light <laughs> at the end of the tunnel this year uh, what was it that that allowed tiller to really 
um, as I mentioned before we started this call, uh, take the lemons and turn them into lemonade. Todd, you wanna you wanna try I mean, it I think, or? <laughs> I think we've always been since we founded the company, really been sort of innovative and always looking for new opportunities. So in in some ways, you know, we were were always changing and evolving. So the pandemic wasn't that big a hurdle for at least for Tiller Language Services. Mm -hmm. um, that said, you know, I think because we had built close relationships with clients. Those clients were continuing to do work through the pandemic. We were all easy, more easily able to sort of pivot together. Mm -hmm. um, and now, you know, once we'd done a few of those things, it was easier for us to then market ourselves to others saying, you know, look, we're doing this already in the virtual space. We've got experience doing it. Let us help you um, continue. Yeah, I think, I think that's true. I think, be, <laughs> I, I, I think that, um, hmm, it's, a, it's an interesting thing to think about. There's a couple of things. I agree with Todd. I think that we've always been sort of um, following our own tune, so to speak. Like we're so different from most language services agencies and how they kind of approach the service and the industry overall. Um, I, I think we just sort of went our own way. Um, that helped us a lot. Um, I think also we were fortunate to, because of the clients that we have and the connections that we have, there, there are some things out there that have kind of, there are other industries that have thrived that we've been involved in. So for instance, we have, um, we had a, a big client um, who was involved with communications and PR around various um, COVID campaigns. Um, those campaigns, you see them everywhere, like uh, you know, wear a mask in multiple languages. So, so we, we got some clients specifically because of the pandemic. So there is a piece there. Um, and I think the clients that came to us um, to do that work already knew sort of uh, about our approach and were comfortable to come to us with these very big contracts that, um, that were we're only coming up because of, of the current situation. Um, another, you know, big client of ours is, uh, is TikTok. Um, TikTok has boomed this year. Uh, they have, uh, you know, because everyone's at home, trapped in their house, on their computer, <laughs> playing, watching videos. Um, so, uh, so I feel like, you know, on the one hand, we, we were sort of uniquely, um, able to approach this sort of situation because we're used to looking at things differently. But on the other hand, we also, we got some contracts that came about because, because of the pandemic, honestly. Like I really don't think TikTok would have exploded this year the way it did 
had everyone not been trapped at home on their phones. And obviously, you know, communications and PR campaigns around, around the virus are, you know, they wouldn't have existed. So, so there's a combination there. Yeah, we're, we're great, but we also benefited in some ways, you know. Yeah, and I think part of that is the trust we built with clients before, you know, yeah. you know, as we talked about before, we offer sort of a higher quality, a higher level of service. So you're not just getting sort of a lot of people will just put text through like Google Translate and you get a very um, sort of a word for word literal, literal translation, but you don't get the nuance. And so we've often worked with clients in the past who that message and nuance is very, very important. And so for something like COVID where the nuance matters, you know, they knew they could trust us already and, and came to us to handle those delicate messages. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, again, it, it's never about price. It's always about what it is that you're, the problem that you're solving, the size of the problem, the value that you're bringing. And so that's a, I think that's a great business model. You know, but you'd be surprised how many people will go for the cheapest provider first, just because they themselves don't speak whatever language it is they're, you know, translator or interpreting into. So they think Spanish is Spanish, Chinese is Chinese. I'm, uh, just go for the lowest price and then are often quickly burned because they've realized the message isn't delivered the, the way they want it and the effort and time they put into creating their English text or copy then is um, you know greatly diminished by the poor quality of their translation so that's how they then end up back with Tiller. We've, we've actually when we've talked to different marketing you know consultants and looked into like how would we expand our marketing efforts we've we've often said like if there was a list somewhere of companies that had had bad first experiences with language services agencies like that is the majority i would say aside from personal contacts of todd and i and even many of them are personal contacts of todd and i most people have had a bad experience and they come to us and they're like oh my gosh it was so embarrassing or this ad or we got complaints like I, I feel like 90% of the people that we work with um, had to learn first that not all language services are created equal and then they came to us so <laughs> so you're reaping the benefit of all those incompetent providers <laughs> <laughs> I guess. <laughs>
you know, what do you see happening in 2021 in, in this event space? And we've got the Olympics that are supposedly going to happen in, is it August, Christian? Yeah, July, August. July, August. So what are you seeing with your advanced contracts? I mean, are, are meetings getting back to normal? Is it going to be a hybrid mix? What, 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 do you know, what are you noticing? I mean, I think we're seeing very few in-person events being scheduled yet, but people are starting to think about it. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think in the future, there'll be much more hybrid models where perhaps not all the participants will gather together. Some will be online, some will be in person. I think the, the way the technologies developed so rapidly over the last year for interpretation that there, you could see a future state where instead of having the booth in the back of the room, that the interpreter could be still sitting in their house, but providing interpretation for the people sitting in the room. Um, yeah. And that's where I think a, a lot will evolve over the next couple of years. Yeah. You mentioned AI too. There's a lot of companies out there that are betting on AI for the future. Right now, we've looked at it you know, several times. It's not good enough for what we yeah. do. Um, it gives you, again, uh, sort of very literal translation. But if there's any nuance or technical jargon in your, in your um, content, the AI is just not there to, to do it yet. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think we're gonna see a lot more people um, who have gotten familiar with this remote interpreting approach. And regardless of whether the event is happening with live participants or not, they're gonna be looking at um, using remote interpreters to avoid the cost of travel and, um, the cost of the actual physical equipment in the room. And I do think that a lot of people who haven't used interpreting before, kind of like our experience with the campaign where they couldn't do it unless they wanted a consecutive interpreter up there to double the length of their meeting time, et cetera. Um, I, think, I think there will there could be an overall increase in the use of interpreting because the option to do it remotely is available. And because they have seen, hey, this is bringing in new audiences and there's um, value here and it's not as expensive as I thought it was going to be just because I can do it using these platforms. So I think I feel sort of fortunate that Todd and I kind of dove in head first, kind of looking at all the different models because I just don't, I don't think it's going to go away and I think it'll proliferate and I think there'll be a lot of opportunities there um, that that weren't there before. Well, one of the things that I think is so uh, fascinating about what you do is people at a fundamental level want to connect with each other and the way that they connect with each other is through language. And, and uh, it's all the more uh, important now, you know, in a, in a crisis mode, yes. uh, people actually want more communication, not less, right? We, we yep. want to engage more. And I'm so happy to see that you have found ways to help people do that more and better. Mm -hmm. um, now, I've taken up a lot of our time, uh, most of our time, and we don't have much left, but you've given us a lot of great lessons that you've learned along the way. It sounds to me like one of the reasons that you succeeded was because of the foundation that you laid at the outset and the way you wanted to go um, allowed you uh, to succeed. 
in unexpected situations, but if there was one lesson that you could draw from your experience so far uh, through this pandemic, what would that lesson be? Hmm. I mean, I guess it, this is an obvious one is, but just to be flexible. <laughs> um, you know, as the technology's changed, you know, we've all done virtual meetings where someone's internet has gone out or whatever has happened to the bandwidth has, has gone away. Um, so just being flexible, hiring people that, that share that sort of innovative spirit with us and are willing to try different things, um, go with the flow is how we're gonna you know, succeed in the future. <laughs> yeah, I think, um... I agree with everything Todd said. I, I do think that, um, I mean, being open and being willing to try out things that are uncomfortable, to be being, being okay with being uncomfortable with something new um, and, and trying it and taking risks. I mean, I think part of why we've been successful is that Todd and I are both, you know, we're, I, we're, I think we're fairly, you know, pragmatic, um, low key folks, but we have an element of, of risk taking when it come in our, in our personalities and in our approach. And we've been willing to take some risks. And I, I think you just have to, you have to do that. And especially in this environment, you have to say, all right, well, this is maybe a little bit untested or we're, we don't know everything that we'd like to know about this going in, but we can learn it. We can figure it out. And I, I think that is something that served us really well. Um, I think you can't know everything that you'd like to know um, before you dive into a project these days. There's a lot of like learning. <laughs> so you sort of the trusting yourself that you have this knowledge and background and experience that can kind of guide the decisions that you make. Um, because so many times in the last few months I've been like, wow, we did that. <laughs> I'm so glad that worked out. <laughs> Jumped out of the plane and build your parachute on the way down. A little bit, you know, I mean, uh, I, I think it's it's just trusting yourself that, that you can you can get there a little bit. So yeah, I, I guess it's a balance, right? Because you don't want to you know go off half you know crazy in any direction, but but being okay to say okay, we'll we'll get through it. We'll figure it out. We're smart. It can't be you know. I mean, we can we can get there. So I don't know. There's been a lot of that. Just we'll become experts very soon. <laughs> and then there'll be something else to figure out. Exactly. Exactly. That's, that's what keeps it fun. Exactly. <laughs> and I do. I do like what Todd said about you know hiring people with similar kind of um, entrepreneurial and innovative sort of approaches to things. I, I think that's something that that was hard for us at first. Like. We knew we were a good team, but figuring out how to to hire the right people who who would like our approach and thrive in 
that environment. And I feel like we finally now after like seven, eight years have kind of got that down, but that took a little while. Well, it's fascinating. Well, we could probably talk for hours about all the <laughs> ins and outs and intricacies and nuances of simultaneous <laughs> interpretation and translation. Uh, but I'm so happy that uh, you found the time to join us on a, on a cold January afternoon. <laughs> if people want to learn more about Tiller Language Services and the services that you provide, what's the best way for them to reach out and contact you? I'd say you could check out our website is tillerlanguage.com or you can always send us an email at info at tillerglobal.com. Yep. <laughs> All right, Spencer, if people want to learn more about the work that you do to help organizations uh, thrive in uncertain situations, what's the best <laughs> way for them to contact you? Well, thank you. I, I've just been thinking, I mean, I'm speaking next month in Austria from my home and, and I speak, you know, all places around the world. And I'm just thinking how could the, the, there seems like there's so many more options when you have this, these interpretive services. So I, I'll be thinking of you guys in, in the future, but to reach me, uh, altiumleadership.com, A-L-T-I-U-M leadership.com or Spencer at altiumleadership.com. And Christian, how can we find you, my amazing friend? Well, you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Christian Napier. You can go to my website, gp4.com. That's gpfour.com. Or you can uh, find me at uh, cnapier at gp4.com. That's my email address. All right, Todd, Maureen, thank you so much for joining us. Listeners, please like and subscribe to our podcast, and we'll catch you again soon. Todd and Maureen, thank you. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for having us. Great to talk to you guys. Thank you. Thank you.